You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast and a special guest today. They're all special, but this one's extra special. Uh, This guest is a high performer, multiple medal and record holder for both weightlifting and skeleton. We'll definitely dive into that. Fellow enlisted level two coach, so a mental performance coach, pulmonary embolism survivor, and somebody who always tucks her shoelaces into her shoes. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Megan Henry. That last bit is very, very important. (laughs) What started that trend anyway? It just drove me crazy to have my shoelaces flopping around. So I just started tucking them in. I don't know. I I mean, I couldn't tell you when that started, but I do it all the time with any shoe, weightlifting shoe, everything. (laughs) That's fascinating. For my weightlifting shoes, I always tuck them into the Velcro. Yeah, that's a good tactic. (laughs) I I just saw somebody do it once. Yeah, it makes it look tight. Yeah, absolutely. So your, well, I guess your nickname, your handle is the Savage Meglet. It is. <laughs> I get where the Meglet comes from. Tell us about Savage. What does what does that mean? Where does it come from? So uh, it's interesting because when people ask me that, I think the tendency is to think of Savage as like, oh, that's not really a nice word. But in Modern times, I would say that savage has evolved to mean in in my mind as being like resilient and tough and like the grit, the grittiness that comes from pursuing excellence. Largely in my life, it's been in physical competition. So having that like resiliency, that determination, that grit, all of like the tough things that we think about, (laughs) that's what savage means to me. I'd like to know, let's go right into this what would be your definition of resiliency? Because everybody that I've interviewed, it's always different. And I'd like to hear your your take on it. Resiliency is persisting continuously until completion, whatever that means. So completion Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean accomplishment because it may be that, for example, I'm, we'll, we'll dive into my story. Um, it may not mean that you accomplish the thing because the, and I believe that I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. So you may have a goal and you may not actually achieve it, but I think the, res- the resiliency is persisting until completion. So whether it means that you actually accomplish it or not, and just like seeing that goal through. That's an interesting way of seeing it. Um, what's your, what's your take on smart goals then? <laughs> I have I have my own view of them, but I'd like to hear what yours is. Just so, based on that, um, just based on what you just told me, I feel like it's going to be a little different. So, so uh, I I do think smart goals is definitely valuable. However, there's um, as far as like the being able to accomplish the goal, right? Like a realistic goal. I I'm of the opinion that it should actually be something that is just out of reach because um that's when you're more likely to enter like a flow state and get into the zone when there's a the balance between like your challenge the challenge skills ratio so it needs to be a bit challenging um for you to actually be able to tap into that like superhuman version of yourself so 
like as far as being like a realistic accomplishing thing like is that really fun you know like what <laughs> being a resilient human is doing things that we aren't a hundred percent certain that we can do so I think that's where like the joy and the excitement comes from as well of having something that's like just out of reach and like a little bit scary. <laughs> it's true. And I read this book called The Comfort Crisis. Have you heard of that one? No, that I'm definitely going to write it down though. It's uh, It talks about a masogi and it was this, it's a, a an event or a task that you you do, but it has to have two rules. One, you can't die. And two, there has to be room for failure. That's it. And so I look back on my life and how many misogies that I've done. I didn't know what this term was, um, but I've definitely undertaken quite a few. One was um, the goal was to climb Mount Katahdin twice in one day. And it's the tallest peak in kind of like New England in that area. And I hadn't heard of anybody doing it before. And we asked the the lady down at the, the little station below uh, what would be the best routes to take. Like we didn't have a route planned. We had no idea because we'd never been there before. So the first time we do it, we do it twice in one day. And she goes, yeah, I heard of a military guy doing it once years ago, but you guys are crazy. It's like, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, we survived. We did it. And now it's like we look back and that's an, an amazing story. That but is a sweet story. <laughs> would it have been an amazing story if we just did the regular routes that everybody did that everybody does when they go there? No, we just it's not fun. That's not that's not fun to me. I want my goals to be, like you said, that stretch goal where it's you're not sure if you're going to attain it. That's what makes it fun and challenging and interesting. Definitely. And it also makes it so you have to evolve to become the person that can accomplish that thing. So most likely in the pursuit of that stretch goal, like you, you're going to change some things about you, whether that's habits, whether you're getting stronger, like there's things that, that are, you're going to adapt and change that you'll grow so that you can accomplish that thing. And that's, that's where I, like, I love that. I love that about competition. And I think it's awesome. Like uh, for, for human beings, it's just, that's the whole point. <laughs> and I really want people to come away from this knowing that it's not just physical feats, right? You can stretch these goals. They don't have to be crazy out of this world kind of things. I remember when I, I moved away from home and kind of went into this uh, city on my own, one of my stretch goals was to just go to a movie by myself. That was, I was like sweating. I was like, I don't know. Aww. Okay. I can do this. I can do this. And I get there. Oh my God. I'm it's coming back to me now. It was, I think it was one of the born movies, Jason. Oh, Bourne yeah. movies. <laughs> and I got popcorn and I loaded up with butter and I set it on my lap and I just started eating it. And then at the end of the movie, I realized that the butter leaked through the bag uh. <laughs> and went all over my crotch. So it looked like I, I pissed myself. Yeah. And so oh, I had to no. walk home and I'm like, how am I going to walk home? So I just had my hands in front of me. Anyway, it ended up being a cool story and it ended up realizing like I can do these things by myself. I don't need to go on a date or a big group of people. So again, stretch goals don't have to be these massive athletic feats, although I'm sure you have many athletic feats that you could dive into. So <laughs> I do. I just wanted to tap like along with those same lines. It could be as simple as let's say you are on a date with somebody or whatever you're, you're out to dinner and the person goes and goes to the bathroom, like challenge yourself to sit there and not look at your phone. Ooh. You know, it could, 
it's something like yes. really simple at that as like just sitting with yourself. Can you, can you be comfortable doing that? Because, um, that's like the norm now, right? If somebody yep. leaves and they're sitting by themselves, everybody's sitting around looking at their phone. Well, like, can you just sit and be like, that's, a, that's a stretch goal for a lot of people, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. Or even if you are in a group of people challenge yourself, just not bring your phone out, be the weirdo, be yeah. the one that's not doing it and see if it influences others. That'd yeah. be the cool thing to see. Anyway, I'd like to, to tell us about skeleton that like, we all know what weightlifting is. People that listen to this know me and I've, I recently competed at the the Pan Am's masters um, nice. this year. So that was actually an amazing experience, but nobody around here really knows what skeleton is. So dive <laughs> into that. First off, how'd you get into it? What is it? Give us the whole rundown. All right. So for those of you who don't know what skeleton is, it is the on the same track as bobsled so if you ever saw cool runnings and it's one person wearing a skin tight speed suit going head first with their chin inches off the ice going uh roughly 80 miles an hour and in most places and you experience five g's of force there's no brakes it's just you you have it there's a running start and you push this lot as fast as you can and jump onto it <laughs> and you're just steering with your body weight so that is skeleton in a nutshell. And I got into it because I was recruited to try bobsled. So I played sports most of my life and I played sports in college. I went to American University in DC. I played field hockey for four years. I ran track for my last year. And then um, I actually joined the army after I graduated from, from American. And in that time, I was recruited to come and try bobsled. So the U.S. doesn't have a robust recruiting program for bobsled and skeleton. So they pull from collegiate athletes because they're explosive, they're powerful. Usually athletes are having an identity crisis <laughs> and don't want to end their career. So it's like, oh, this is a way for me to extend my athletic career. And so I went and tried bobsled. I was too small. They wanted me to put on 30 to 50 pounds. Wow. I was not about to do that. <laughs> so they told me to switch over to skeleton. And um, yeah, I mean, it is very, very thrilling sport. It was very different. I came, majority of my time was spent playing field hockey. So I came from a team sport background. Like, yes, I did. I was a sprinter. I did run track. Um, but a lot of my experience was in team sports. So this was... Uh, quite the transition to be in an individual sport like that. And I liken it to being like an MMA fighter, so to speak, because it is, it's so very mental and all sports are mental, right? But skeleton, it was, it was just amplified, I thought, um, because everything that you think and feel, it translates to your time on the sled, if you're holding any sort of tension from anything outside of competing, it affects your time. Even if you have perfect, perfect lines, it affects time. So that is how I got really, I've always had an interest in like psychology and the mental side of things, but skeleton was what really prompted me to get into it. That's cool. I mean, <laughs> I believe they say it's one of the craziest Olympic sports that's out there. <laughs> right? Like it has to be who in their right mind would go 80 miles an hour head first <laughs> down a, a sheet of ice. You got to have a couple screws loose in order to, to vo volunteer for that. Right. 
anyway. <laughs> uh, what here's a this is going to be a, a deep question, possibly. I'd like to know what you describe as what's your gift? Oh my gosh, that mm. that's that's a, a 90 degree turn. <laughs> it is. So I would say um my gift is empathy. Uh I can really empathize with other people and I uh, I can put myself in their shoes. And so um, a lot of people come to me for advice, like my friends come to me for advice. And so I think I can, a lot of times for other people, sometimes in my own life, <laughs> zoom out and have like that big picture perspective and give like really calm advice. Um, I would say that that is my gift in addition to always like pursuing truth and uh like seeking to be a higher version of myself i feel like i'm constantly evolving and learning i'm very open minded and uh, uh those are those are my gifts <laughs> so you mentioned that using that gift you you kind of give advice and and help to others how else do you use your gift um in terms of empathy yeah so you know, you're a performance mindset coach. Obviously that has to come into this. So how, how do you actually practically use that to help people? So I think, especially when I'm working with athletes, because I have experience uh, competing at a high level and I know what it means to succeed at a high level. I also know what it is to fail at a very high level. Um, I like to try and like shorten that learning curve for people if I can, if I can like provide that lesson for them and like have them learn from my mistakes. You know, I think that that's something that is so awesome about being a human is that you can like shorten the gap from where you are and where you want to be by learning from other people. Like there's, there's so much out there for us to learn and experience. Like there's books, there's podcasts, there's everything where you can learn from someone else and uh, I want to give that to other people. So I'm very like generous with my my time, my my energy, and I really like devote that. I take on that person's passion and I want them to succeed. And so I think that that's how I use that that gift of like the empathy and compassion. How okay. So you mentioned success and failure. And I know you believe that failure is part of the process. Mm -hmm. How can you get that message across to people that failing is okay? Because that is a, it's this self-limiting belief that people have, you know, I can't, I, I don't know if I could, they always, what if the bad stuff, mm -hmm. what, what message can we give people to tell them that failing is actually okay? And and in addition to being okay, it's necessary. Like we do not know any person on the planet that got to where they are without failing. Like they didn't just teleport to the top of the food chain without some sort of failure. And I think, uh, again, like I really go by the phrase that everything happens for a reason. And so 
those quote unquote failures are, they're all lessons. Like this is all for a purpose. And if you can like adopt that belief, like this is for my highest good to have this quote unquote failure, this, this experience, that's really all it is. It's just an experience. So you can, you can reframe that as being something good and, uh, and necessary. So for whatever reason, like society is like, oh, you know, I really, I don't want to fail. I'm scared to fail. I don't want to do this. And uh, I don't know where that came from because it is absolutely necessary. It is inevitable, right? It's going to happen that you're not just going to like, as a baby, like a baby, you start crawling, right? You fall over when you're learning how to walk. Like there's no, like you just automatically start walking or running, (laughs) Or you just end up being like an NBA champion. It doesn't happen. There's a transition. There's steps in between. I think I do know where it came from. And that's traditional school, Mm. right? Like everything's based, all of of your grades and everything is based on not failing and succeeding. If there was a magic wand that existed that I could change something, it would be the education system. We were... My family and I, we just went to um, Halifax, Citadel Hill, and they showed, this is from like the 1800s, they showed this like bunker area where they would teach uh, kids and soldiers how to read, do math and all this stuff. It looked identical to today's schools. Mm. Same rows, same desks, chalkboard, like it, it was all the same. You look at cars from the 1800s to today, how much have they changed? <laughs> you look at training modalities, like every, everything on earth has changed except the school system. And I wish there was a magic wand that I could use to change that. That is, that is fascinating. And I I'm glad that you brought that up because it, it is, it's like, that's so much from like the industrial thing. Like, okay, we're all in an assembly line and I make this yep. and it's either good, bad, go, no, go. And, and being in the army, that's still the thing. It's like, you either are a go or you're a no go. And, um, I mean, wow. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. So thank you. Yeah. Cause w- in real life, fit like business sport, every other aspect in life revolves around failing. I think mm. kids need to learn how to fail. And so yeah. it's not going to be the teachers. I think that, that do that. It's going to be parents. It's going to be coaches. Those are the ones that are going to step forward and, and actually teach the kids how to fail forward. Failing forward, right? Making, as you mentioned before, failure is an experience. It's the the lens that you put on that experience that determines, is it a failure or is it just a lesson? If you put it with a lens of a lesson, there's no such thing as failure. It's just an experience. I love that. One of my friends, um, when her her child was a toddler, like learning to walk, she would always clap whenever he fell when he was learning how to walk. And I absolutely love that. That's, <laughs> so awesome. that's a parent tip out there. <laughs> so obviously you've had a huge uh, athletic career uh, and and still do. How has your experience as an athlete influenced your personal values and, and your beliefs? Oh my gosh. So I've been an athlete my whole life. Like as far back as I can remember, I've been doing some sort of sport. So um, I retired from competing in skeleton and that was 
quite the transition. It was very interesting. I competed in skeleton for 11 or 12 years. And so um, it's a huge part of my life, right? And so I knew that like the mental performance side was going to be the next big thing. And so it like the being physically fit is very important to me, but so is the like the mental aspect, but having that balance. So I think that being a, a high level athlete and having this short window where it, every decision is going towards that one thing, right? Your work life balance is very skewed. <laughs> it's very focused on that. And so, um, when I'm working with other people, I want them to be able to have like a bit of a better balance. Like there, there's certainly instances where you will sacrifice that balance to pursue excellence in a, in a shortened time frame. like for an athlete, for example. Um, or if you're an executive and you're pursuing some contract and there's a short period of time where you've got to hustle and a lot of your energy is going that way. Um, however, so I think for, for my values, it would definitely be fitness pursuing challenges, uh, connection with other people. And then the, the other side of the savage is the sage. So having that spiritual connection, the like invisible stuff that, that people don't see, um, pursuing that and having that, like that groundedness, that enlightenment, so to speak, that, um, I really value that and, and just, trying to have like the full human experience. <laughs> so what are some of the practical ways in which you help people in that realm? Like we understand the fitness component. Like if you want to get strong, you have to lift weights. If you want to get fast, you have to do some speed work. How do people get better at the mindset stuff? Definitely. So it, it is a skill. It's a skill just like anything else. And uh, we're at a really interesting time for mindset because I think, especially in the sports world, it's going to be a non-negotiable moving forward. Um, it's has it, it's like about to explode, which is very exciting. The sports psychology realm, uh, and mindset in sport because the the two go hand in hand. Your mindset affects everything, right? It affects your relationships, your career your confidence it, it's everything it determines everything in your life and so um it's very empowering for some people it's scary but it's very very empowering and so what i try to do with athletes is give them that skill of mindset and like can we incorporate this in like a daily routine where we're adding things in not drinking from a fire hose and adding a million things but how can we make this to be a practical thing that we trust that the compound interest over time is going to yield results because it is, it truly is a skill much like, you know, the physical aspect, like you did again, you don't just wake up and you're a national champion in weightlifting. Like you, there's, there's a process there. You've spent the time in the gym, there's repetitions and the technique improves. And the same is true for the mindset piece. Um, the visualization, for example, is a skill. If you've never visualized before, it may be very difficult for you to sit there and try and visualize something in detail. And like, can you, can we first imagine what it's like to bite into a lemon? Like there you could, there's baby steps to everything. So that's, that's how I, I look at it as like, okay, can we develop this skill set 
of mindset and um and utilizing like the enlifted method for example giving somebody the space and clarity to feel s- safe like in, in terms of communicating with me and getting them unstuck so it it's very interesting to wa- like go through that process and facilitate that for somebody to have some story that is affecting them today that you know connects back to who knows something from their childhood um i'll give an example i recently was working with a cyclist she's awesome and she was having a lot of stress and anxiety with uh competing she had crashed in a um in a race and so she hadn't been racing for 6 months she just would not enter a race she had so much like fear anxiety and everything And so it ended up tracing back to a car accident that she was in. Um, And, and and like also something from like her mother had said, and once we had just gone through this story and got her unstuck, she was able, she entered a race two days later. She was like, Oh, okay. I'm I'm entering a race. And she ended up winning. And we did other things having to do with sports psychology in terms of like, developing some of those supercharged affirmations just for her and visualizing what that looks like, um, visualizing overcoming obstacles, going back to quote unquote failures. Uh, I think that's a really powerful thing too, to be like, okay, yes, we want to visualize what success looks like. We want to see that, you know, ideal outcome and, 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 and tell our subconscious mind what it is that we want and what we want to accomplish. However, in the times where you do experience failure or you are afraid of experiencing failure, can you visualize yourself overcoming that thing? And that's very powerful too. That's cool. I also, I, I took sports psychology and so mostly social psychology when I was in university and just so fascinated by it, just how it's, it's a lot of unconscious stuff that happens that, that moves our behavior. And I remember reading a, a business book called The Ant and the Elephant, and it talked about that. The ant is your, your conscious and the elephant is your subconscious. You can't control your subconscious directly. What you do have control over is the boundaries that you set. Um, do you have any examples of that where either yourself or you've worked with somebody where they're trying to control the subconscious and they just keep kind of <laughs> you know bashing up against the wall, basically? Uh, so. I've definitely had that experience um, where there it, where there's like a conflict between the two, right? If you're if you haven't addressed this underlying belief, um, and you're trying to force mm-hmm. a different one, <laughs> uh, they don't work, right? They don't they don't mesh together, and so that a good example is like the off the shelf affirmations that you hear about, like, okay, telling yourself, like, I am rich, I am rich, and you're not any or um, I I tell athletes too, like, if you are telling yourself, like, I am the winner, I'm the champion. And I, uh, for example, if we use like, because so like, I am the champion, because I train every day, but you don't train every day, like, your actions are not in alignment so that, that you're not going to be able to force your subconscious to believe that. And so while I think that there's value in terms of like the law of attraction space and the secret and all of that, um, the the missing part that I think get, gets lost when that message is pushed out is that there is 
action that needs to take place that supports that. And so, um, and that's not to say that if you want to be rich and you're not rich right now, that you won't be right. Like, <laughs> but if you're taking the actions to do that and, uh, particularly like using the phrase, because like, uh, another trick would be to be like, okay, I am rich and redefining what rich means to you. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean financial wealth, but also, and I can see that I am taking the steps that rich people do, which is whatever. I have a morning routine and I, I have personal development and I do this, this, this. So if you can like provide your brain, those examples, <laughs> that's, that's really helpful. And like short circuit that, um, and, and, as far as going back to the affirmations piece, you can also do like the what if the good stuff and frame it in a question like, well, why am I rich? Why am I a champion? Why am I this way? So that your brain has to find the answer to it rather than trying to like beat your subconscious over the head with something that you don't believe. If you can frame it in a question that is that is optimistic where your brain has to find the answer versus I am rich and your brain is automatically going to be like, well, no, you're not because of this, this, and this. Um, when I was training, so I competed in uh, the Masters Nationals weightlifting competition in the US in March. And I was, um, I had failed the snatch in in training. I was just like getting closer to the competition and I was constantly failing snatch. And I was like, you know, trying to tell myself like, okay, well, I snatched 55 kilos at this competition. And my brain was like, no, because you failed every day. You failed the snatch every day. Your brain is going to come up with the reason why it's going to try and compile that evidence. But if you can be like, one of the phrases that I use a lot with my athletes is talk to yourself more than you listen. So if you can like, and that does, it takes awareness, right? It is a skill to recognize when you're having those thoughts and it's going off the deep end to be like, no, I can make the snatch because I've done X, Y, Z. I have snatched this before. I've done that in training. Also, these mistakes don't matter. You know, you can like have that conversation with yourself as if you were your own best friend, your own hype man, having that conversation so that you're you're facilitating that process with your subconscious mind. I feel as you were talking, the thing that came to mind was the reticular activating system. Mm -hmm. Like when you when you identify the times where you were successful, you're more likely to see other times when you are successful and then you will become more successful as a result. You just start seeing those small wins along the way. I remember before I did the, um, the Pan Am's masters, I wrote out five, what ifs and they're all good. Mm. Like, what if I make six for six? What if I enjoy myself? Like I, I wrote them all out. I read them. I read them with breath and I, I visualized it happening. And sure enough, after the competition was done, I ran back to my uh, warm up platform. I grabbed the book and I said, they all came true. Uh, all of them. <laughs> I was blown away. That's two, amazing. Two personal records, six for six. I had an amazing time. Anyway, didn't come in last. <laughs> that was another goal. So anyway, it was awesome. And it all came down to these, you know, look, look for the wins, look for the highlights and uh, it, it will drive you to success versus trying to force yourself into success. Like, you know, if you've worked with children at all, you know, trying to force them to do something, <laughs> they're going to push back. Well, your, your subconscious is the exact same thing as a child. 
it's going to push back if you start forcing things onto it. So, and that's that energy is creates resistance, right? Like, even if you're in a relationship and you're like really needy, that person's like, Oh, I don't know if I want (laughs) it's just that it creates that energy, and uh, then you are creating separation from the thing that you want by trying to be forcing uh, outcomes and uh. One, that's amazing. You're sorry about pandems and like all of those things coming true. But I want to say that, and I want to say that <clears throat> when, so for, I'll give my personal example. I, when I competed at national, so my overarching goal was that I wanted to win uh master's national championships and weightlifting. So that was the overarching goal. And I, I did something similar, like, okay, well, what if I go six for six? Um, and so I didn't, I failed one of the, my, um, snatch attempts. And so I could have been like, oh my God, you know, now everything's going to you know, kind of cascaded into something where like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go six for six now. So that means I'm not going to, not going to win. And in my mind, I was like, man, so what? Like I can still, I can still be a national champion. It doesn't matter. So if you can like brush those types of things off, like, ah, so what? So what next, next thing. And, uh, and also be like, um, don't have like this crazy attachment to the outcome that is, that's super powerful as well. And, um, another thing that I thought of when you were talking about that. So Dr. Nate Zinzer, he was the, um, director of the center of enhanced performance at West point for over 30 years, one of my mentors, and he wrote the book, the confident mind. And in it, he talks about how, we want to look at the our wins are that are things that are global, meaning they happen all the time, everywhere, and they are representative of me. And our mistakes are temporary. It's a one-time thing, and it's not representative of me. So when you have those mistakes, you can be like, eh, okay, whatever. And if you can brush it off versus having this mean something about you, like attaching so much meaning, um, that is so powerful. It's like, honestly, it's one of the most powerful things that you can do is to be able to brush off a mistake slash quote unquote failure as, oh, that's not like me. Like, oh, it was just that one time. It was just at that one place. And that's a way to co- like have that conversation, you know, with your mind when it's like, oh my gosh, well, no, you failed. You failed that lift. Like, oh, well, that was just that one time. I made all those other ones, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, it really is just talking to yourself. <laughs> and I, I, sometimes I talk to myself out loud. At, when I was in the gym, I would be like, eh, so what? You know, it's, having that conversation out loud, <laughs> maybe you don't want to do that, but uh, I did. And it's very, very powerful. <laughs> 100%. I have a friend, Scotty does that. He does gratitude walks. Oh, and he nice. he talks to himself while he's walking and i'm sure his neighbors think he's an absolute nut case <laughs> but he says it's it's amazing and he he sets his timer and he's like oh it's time to go back now sorry anyway <laughs> as you were talking it's funny that as i was talking it was reminding you of things as you were talking it was reminding me of things this whole not putting so much weight in the outcomes And what came to mind is, well, what could you put the weight into instead? And that's in your values. Mm. Can you hold your values to a higher standard than the outcomes themselves? That's to me, like, I felt like a small explosion happened in my brain um, as that idea came up. (laughs) Because if one of those 
what ifs didn't come true for me, do I have the tenacity or resiliency to fall back to the values that I hold near and dear to me? And one of my values, which has been my, my screensaver for a while on my phone is I am driven. So even if I fail a lift, my value is I am driven and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to roll over because that's not who I am. Yeah. That's it. Very powerful. If you have your values locked in, no no outcome matters ever. That's incredible. I, so that reminds me of like a pro like process goals as well. So focusing on the process, who am I? How do I want to be when I show up for this competition um, or even this training session? Who is it that I want to be? And then um, also like, yeah, like we obviously have outcome goals, right? Like that's, which is necessary. We want a end point on our GPS. So we know where we're going and where we're headed. However, uh, with that in mind, like we just want to prepare as best as possible for the outcome that we want. It's not necessarily guaranteed. And so like for me, okay, I wanted to go six for six, but I, I didn't, it wasn't guaranteed. You might go into a competition. Let's say you're a, a team sport, for example, I'm, I'm talking about athletes. Cause that's, you know, I love, I love talking about sports and athletes. <laughs> so, uh, but this applies elsewhere too, that you could go and you could have your absolute best day ever. You could perform, compete, your your team is on fire, and you could still lose, right? Like, so it's not a guarantee that you're you're going to go and get these things. But like I said before, everything happens for a reason. So is it really a quote unquote failure if you lost, if you guys played the best you've ever played, or if you went and you PR'd in all of your lifts, but you came in second. Was it really a failure? Like, you know, that's not fair to yourself. I, I know that's not really the phrase we want to use, but it's like, be kind to yourself because you could have that. And that's what makes sports so exciting, right? Is it's not a guarantee. We, we mm. want to, um, competition is another word for compatieri, which means to like, I, I pursue together. And so your competitor is someone that makes you better to you're rising together and becoming better. And um, I think to like, take that perspective on that. I can prepare as best as possible and still not make it. And it's okay. You think of any high performer in any sport they wouldn't be who they were if it wasn't for the people that they played against. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's crazy to me. I, I just know. wrote down, <laughs> I, just, I just wrote down this, this sentence here. Outcome goals help us express our values. I love that. I'm going to write that down too. That was good. That's Outcome it. Goals. I could do a whole, whole podcast on just that. So it's not that we, we have these outcome goals to achieve. It's that we have these outcome goals to develop. Mm, it's very it's a different, it's a different pursuit. It's a pursuit to be better. It's a pursuit to improve, not necessarily a pursuit to win or to achieve, mm. which is different. And so when you, go, awesome. when you go into it with that pursuit to express your values, win or lose, you win doesn't matter the outcome you are going to be different yes you just need to have uh. those values prior to going in you have to know what they are 
so that you have the chance to express them no matter the outcome. I love that. Everybody rewind and listen to the last 20 seconds. <laughs> That's going to be a good clip. It's gonna that be is. Clip. That's a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Outcome goals help us express our values. That's amazing. And so true. Yeah. And, and kind of like what I said before, it's like, it's all of those things, those goals, your aspirations, it's all helping you to become a better human, a more resilient human, a your higher a higher version of you and just like growing and adapting and learning. And like, that's the whole human experience, right? It's just this relentless pursuit. It's a, a war of attrition, so to speak. It's never ending. It's not, there's not like a finish line and where like, oh, okay, well, I can just, I can just stop. <laughs> I can just stop meditating today because I made it right. It's, it's not necessarily like that. We constantly, our goals are constantly evolving and changing. And so are we, and that's great. That's awesome. As we should, as should yeah. our goals, right? Yeah, man. It's almost like we went full circle. We started this out with you talking about persisting until completion as the definition definition of resiliency. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for. There is, there is no set finish line to developing as a human. To, de to developing resiliency. It's a constant pursuit. And so that persisting, that relentlessness that you just mentioned, that's, that's life, that's business, that's sport, any aspect. There's no, the only, there's no finish line. Yeah. There can't be, there can't be a finish line. <laughs> Nobody ever gets there and be like, okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm done eating well, or I'm done fitnessing because I've reached something. <laughs> that's it's it got to be a lifelong pursuit of adapting and overcoming. So definitely love that. Um, Megan, I'd love to get, uh, I always ask my uh, guests a final question. And this is, uh, this podcast is about practical resiliency. So if you could give one piece of practical advice to my listeners on how to become a more resilient human, what would that advice be? Oh, awesome. Constantly be setting goals for yourself and pursuing greatness. And also, one of the, my favorite tools is, well, there's two, is self-talk and visualization. And I think if you can like be your biggest hype man and, mm. and talk yourself up and have conversations with yourself, again, talk to yourself more than you listen, that you can you can help yourself. You can be a, your own sports psych, your own mindset coach, just by telling yourself the things that you wish other people were telling you. And like our, our external world is a reflection of our internal world. And so like to be a more resilient human, like be your own hype man and talk yourself up, visualize yourself accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish. And you will be by definition more resilient. <laughs> Love it. Anything else you'd like to, um, kind of chime in here on Megan. Uh, I, I know you're on Instagram and other social media platforms. So if people want to follow you, I know I follow you and you, your, your stuff is fire. So um, fire. Well, yes, yeah. uh, definitely follow me at the savage Meglet. Uh, and I'm on all social media platforms. I'm super involved on, on Instagram. So if you want, you can send me a DM. I will reply to you. And uh, if you have any questions for me, please ask. I love answering people's questions in my DMs. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was an unreal conversation. Definitely a bunch of nuggets to take away. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it.
Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.